The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello and welcome to Well Seekers and welcome to a new decade. I know we're about a month into it, but we are just starting out with brand new shows in 2020. So welcome to the show. And I am so excited to get started on this six week series coming up about dealing with stress and anxiety from the mind down. So a holistic approach. We're going to be talking about all different types of anxiety and depression and how it manifests in different populations and in different people. We're going to be talking about prevention. We're going to hear personal stories and we're going to do what we do best, which is share solutions um, in real ways with real experts to help you with your anxiety, with your depression, with prevention and with just supporting you and walking alongside you in your journey. Today's show is dedicated to the caregiver and caregivers that may deal with depression and or anxiety. On today's show, we're going to have licensed clinical social worker Sharon Lawrence, and she specializes in helping caregivers who suffer from depression and anxiety. So Sharon's going to come on with us in just a little bit. But before we have Sharon on, I wanted to talk about what is a caregiver, right? Because when you think caregiver, I think we think maybe moms or dads, maybe caring for um, an elderly parent or an older parent or caring for someone personally in some capacity. It could even be caring for someone that has an addiction, um, is struggling with substance abuse disorders, is addicted to some sort of drug, someone who has an eating disorder, someone who has a chronic illness of any type. Maybe it's autoimmune or maybe it's someone with cancer. If you're caring for that person in any capacity, you are a caregiver. Now that's on the personal level. Level. But professionally, caregivers are a wide variety of things. I think we, again, sometimes we think about therapists being a caregiver or nurses being a caregiver, but teachers are caregivers, EMTs, police officers. And with those jobs comes an increase in depression, anxiety, emotional and mental exhaustion, basically. So physical, men- emotional and mental exhaustion. Those are things that can happen when caregiver burnout starts and caregiver burnout can lead to depression, anxiety and extreme fatigue. So even if you didn't think you were a caregiver, if you fall under one of those things personally or professionally, you could be a caregiver. So why does this happen? Why do caregivers experience more anxiety or depression? I found a great article by the Cleveland Clinic, which is one of my favorite places um, to read stuff that comes out of Cleveland Clinic. They're just on the cutting edge of so much going on in mental health, in physical, holistic health, in mind, body, spirit. So if you ever have time and you're looking for something to Google, look up Cleveland Clinic and shout out to them. But what they talk about when they talk about the caregiver burnout, which again can lead to clinically diagnosable anxiety or depression, or could really be used interchangeably, it's the demands on caregivers' body, mind, and emotions that overwhelms some caregivers and can lead to the fatigue, the hopelessness, the burnout, which could be also labeled depression or anxiety. So what leads to this? So on their website, they just highlight some of the big ticket items that leads to anxiety and depression in caregivers. So I wanted to share with you some of those. Number one is role confusion. So this is specifically in personal caregiving. It talks about how people can be confused when they're put into the role of caregiver, even if it is a new mom, right? It can be really challenging sometimes when you're in this role as caregiver 
to separate that role of caregiver from your role as a spouse or a lover or a friend. Let's say you have a spouse that has a chronic illness and you're a caregiver. I mean, you're supposed to have a relationship in a spouse capacity, but now you're also in a different capacity. So it's hard to figure out where do I fit in this, which can lead to this confusion, which can lead to burnout. Next is unrealistic expectations. And again, this may be, um, I know I said moms before, but this one more pertains to mom where it's like, you're supposed to have this positive effect of taking care of something that's supposed to lead to health and happiness as a side effect. And oftentimes people don't feel those things. So they have this unrealistic expectation that they're going to feel one way and then they feel another way that may be labeled or they label it negative, whether it's negative or not is up to the person assigning the name to it. But um, so now we have a negative feeling associated with something we thought was supposed to be positive. So then we start feeling this emotional, mental, um, oftentimes physical fatigue as well. Lack of control is another thing that can lead to depression and anxiety among caregivers. Um, You can be frustrated because sometimes there's money issues or resource issues. Organizing, managing plans as a caregiver in any capacity is a challenge. Sometimes caregivers feel like, and we just talked about this, that they shouldn't feel depressed, anxious, or fatigued. They should feel happy that they're taking care of someone. And that's just a hard place to be because that also keeps caregivers from reaching out for help, which ultimately is the best way to alleviate symptoms of caregiving is to sometimes seek help, someone to talk to, someone to be the container for everything that you have to contain. As a caregiver, you do need an outlet. Professionally, especially if you're a therapist and you're seeing a lot of clients, you're going to need somewhere to process that. That's why supervision is so important. Or if you're a nurse or if you're a police officer or an EMT, and then personally, same things go. If you think you may suffer from this, I just want to give you some of the symptoms of caregiver burnout. One is withdrawal from friends and family members and loved ones. That can often happen. And I always say, because the next one, loss of interest in activities previously enjoyed. This is from Cleveland Clinic again. I always say even reduction in an interest can be a sign. So it doesn't need to get so bad that you've completely withdrawn and now you don't do anything. You don't talk to anyone. If you find yourself like not as interested or slowly pulling back, it's okay to stop there and get help, right? Um, Whether that helps in the form of talk therapy or just realizing that you need extra self-care. Changes in appetite and weight, um, changes in sleep pattern is a big one. Maybe you're getting sick more often or you have an unexplained, you know, fill in the blank headache, stomach ache, and you're just not feeling like yourself. Uh, Emotional and physical exhaustion, irritability. Irritability is a big one, especially men with depression can show irritability. And sometimes it's like they're not depressed, they're irritable or angry. And in men, it actually demonstrates differently when they're depressed. We did a whole podcast about it, which I'll put a link below too. So if you're a caregiver in any capacity, professionally or personally, and you're experiencing some of those things, we are here to help you. I just want to add to you on a, a professional note, I see this a lot and today's show is dedicated to you to help you. And on a personal level, you know, I've been a caregiver in different capacities and it emotionally and physically is exhausting. And even if I didn't get to the point where I was depressed or anxious, it was only because I had the tools to support myself in the process. And I knew those tools. And because of that, 
I had basically prevention. I prevented myself from getting anxious and depressed. But today's show is not only going to help you um, if you are feeling anxious or you are feeling depressed. It's also going to help with prevention. So if you're on the verge of taking care of someone or maybe you anticipate it in your future or maybe you're in the middle of it and you don't want burnout to happen, this show is for you too. So make sure to stick with us. We'll be right back with our guest, Sharon Lawrence, right here on Wellseekers. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless, and with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones or bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. And we're back on Wellseekers with our guest today, Sharon Lawrence. Sharon is a licensed clinical social worker. She's a therapist for therapists, professionals, and couples. Her passion is to improve the lives of clinicians and professionals who manage the day-to-day responsibilities of caring for others, which so many people do. Um, It's also been proven, as Sharon's going to point out, that this type of care can produce secondary trauma in addition to discovering and revealing past traumas and other mental health challenges, which we were just talking about. So we are so thrilled to have you on the show. Sharon Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sharon's website is my Sela wellness, which is S E L A H wellness.com. We'll put a link below. What does that mean? Should I know? Are you going to reveal something to me that I should know as a therapist? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure, but um, I get that question a lot since day one. I will say that. Okay. Uh, but Sela, Sela means to pause and to meditate or to pause and reflect on what you just heard. If there is a music interlude, it, it comes from the Bible and it's in the Bible 77 times. I love and, that. Yeah. So for my practice, my mantra is pause, reflect, and revive. And what that means is that when they're, you know, when clients are coming in, the first thing they want to do is just kind of get everything out. Mm. And so I let them do that. Let's pause and let's think about what that's about and let's kind of reflect on it. What does it mean? Does it have any meaning to where you are at this point in time in your life? And then the revive part is the action. Mm. Now that you've discovered what this is about and we've put some interventions in place that you can try, are you ready to do the work? It's really about taking a moment to pause because a lot of people always want to get through a situation, but they don't want to do the work to get through it. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you have to sit with it before you can really understand it in order to deal with it. And some people don't even know what the work is, Sharon, which is not their fault. They just don't know. So it's great, especially the line of work that you're doing. One of the reasons that we wanted to talk to you specifically is because you focus on therapists, right? And professionals and couples, as I mentioned, but really 
caregivers, which is what today's show is all about. When you are a caregiver, which can mean a lot of things. You can be a caregiver for a parent. You can be a caregiver for a child, for a brother, a sister, or a therapist, right? So there's so many ways to be a caregiver and the anxiety that comes with that, the side effects, right? Potential depression is astronomical Mm -hmm. and it's rarely talked about. And I mean, I even include caregivers as EMTs, firefighters, police, mm-hmm. um, cause I think they fall under the caregiver umbrella. Anyone else you'd w- include in there that I missed? I mean, you have teachers, you have nurses, yes. you yes. have, um, you know, school administrators, the ones who are really doing a lot of the work behind the scenes. I mean, anyone can fall into this category. Mm. I even find that spouses fall into this category. And I'm, I'm not talking about the from the perspective of when someone is sick, I'm talking about when there may just be a lot of stuff going on and one person feels like they have to do so much because that person is their responsibility and it brings a lot of weight. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you know, as you know, as we go through times, definitions start to be redefined, you know, mm-hmm. and you start looking at things differently in terms of how people are actually experiencing things. And so, yes, this is huge. So what do you see most often when working with caregivers as, is it compassion fatigue? Is it anxiety, depression? What are some of the things you, you see come up when working with caregivers? I see more depression than anything Mm. because there has been a major shift in their lives. Uh, For a, a lot of people, uh, things kind of happen abruptly. One minute they're on the job, they're you know, working a a position or in a career that they love and they get a phone call. Mm. And before you know it, they're using FMLA or (laughs) or they say, hey, I have to kind of quit because I have to move Mm. um, to take care of a loved one, be it a parent or a sibling or even an aunt or uncle, maybe someone that they're very close to. Either way, there's been a major disruption. And so you have that grieving process, one, of what life used to be, but also the grieving process of who their loved one used to be and now taking on all these responsibilities and trying to adjust with everything at the same time. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And do most of them naturally reach out? Because I, I find just from both research and um, I know you teach as well, because I teach um, research and working with clients, caregivers are the last people to say, hey, I actually need help and support and are the ones that need it the most, right? Right, right. So call, but they'll say someone told them to call. (laughs) Right, right. So if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, well, I'm not a caregiver, could you help them understand why support is needed. Maybe they know they're a caregiver, but they think, well, what I'm experiencing isn't that bad in order to reach out. What would you tell that person that's struggling, that's feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling probably compassion fatigue and different elements and doesn't think it's bad enough to reach out? The first thing I would say whenever I hear anyone say, well, it's not that bad. I tell them it's better to do it now as a preventive measure than to wait until you feel like you're too far gone. Yeah. And so you find it easier to come through that journey when you have some motivation, even if it's just that five or 10 percent of what it is you're feeling. 
it's enough to get you started and you have someone in your corner who's a neutral party, but someone with some techniques and strategies to say, hey, let me help you think about this a different way. And you can start managing life a little bit better because a lot of these things are also about learning to share the load and setting boundaries and not trying to do it all. And for some people, they feel like when they become the caregiver that they are supposed to do it all. So it's really about retraining and helping you to understand better ways to manage your time as a caregiver. Where do you think this comes from, Sharon? One of my areas of study is just looking at the United States and mental health and health in general versus the actual most healthy countries in Mm -hmm. um, the Mm -hmm. world. And we are not one of them. We're in the bottom. Where does this come from? This idea of taking it on. Do you think this is societal? Because I truly don't believe it's all individual. It comes from somewhere. No, I think it's learned behavior. It's things that we see on television. There Mm. are things that we've learned from watching our elders growing up, there was a time when you did not put um, loved ones in a nursing home. You know, you took care of your elders. They remained in the home. And so now is a time where people are learning that there are more resources and they're feeling guilty about making certain decisions. So they feel like they have to be responsible for doing everything and being everything to that person in those situations. So I think a lot of this is learned behavior. Uh, I think for some people, depending on what their history has been with that person that they're caring for, sometimes they feel like they owe it to them. Mm, And so it kind of pushes them into this, you know, full-fledged responsibility mode because they want to make sure when that person transitions that they feel okay with what they've done. Mm. Whereas that that individual may be a-okay with going to a nursing home. You, everyone right. is different. Right. And they just want to know, are you present? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Are you there for me? Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see me? Are you there for me if I need you? Yes. I felt, I read something recently in a book that said, the only question we're all asking one another is, do you love me? Mm. And especially to your loved ones, right? So Mm -hmm. do you see me and do you love me? And that's Mm -hmm. pretty much all of our communication is trying to answer those two questions. Right. What do you, when you work with clients, what would you say if someone was listening and going through this? And again, it's not just, it's therapists, it's nurses, it's EMTs that could be classified in this caregiver realm. What are some techniques or advice would you give to people to start taking care of themselves and focusing on them as well as the people that they focus on? The first thing I would say is start. (laughs) Just as simple as a start. Have the courage to just start. Uh, Abraham Maslow says, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you will try to approach every situation as if it's a nail. And I'm saying that because there are Mm. some people who will not try new things because they feel like either it won't change or what they have is enough to get through. And what I'm saying is by starting, this is the opportunity for you to say, let me try something different. Let me create balance in my life. Let me set realistic expectations for myself, Mm. Um, create new habits and and be okay with what I can manage and what I can't and, and be okay with sharing the responsibility. I think that that's the biggest piece that they, again, 
You don't have to do it all. What about for nurse or let's just, I'm just picking nurses or therapists okay. that, I mean, at home, that's so important and critical to do. But do you think, as I believe, people that are helping day in, day out, and then they go home and have additional responsibilities need extra self-care? Would you agree? Absolutely. I agree 100%. I think that we are more prone to even feeling what people feel because we we have this particular training. Mm-hmm. Because of the positions that we're in, we're touching the lives of way more people than a lot of professionals may not. Mm-hmm. And so we, we're also tapping into emotions and the impact of what they're dealing with, whether it's emotionally or a medical concern, meaning physically. So we see things from a different lens and therefore we hold on to things. And there has to be a way that you hold it strictly with the mindset of what it is that you do and not with the mindset that you keep it as if it's your experience. Mm -hmm. Because then you find that you're holding it and it starts to create a greater amount of stress. I know you're familiar with Bessel van der Kolk. And he talks about how the body keeps the score. I do the ACEs screening tool with a lot of my clients because I need them to make the connection about what's happening in their bodies in regards to the stress and the trauma that they have encountered. I was going to say, could you explain ACEs to people listening that don't know what ACEs is and how it stems from childhood in as digestible a way as possible? Because it's a lot and we could spend a whole show on ACEs, which we may actually do, but... Yes, absolutely. So ACEs stands for, or ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And it's a screening tool that has 10 questions on there that allows you to answer statements or questions about your childhood prior to your 18th birthday. And what they're looking at is what type of trauma you have encountered. And for every score, It represents a level of illness or ailment in your body. Anything that's a six or higher, it cuts or shortens your life expectancy by 20 years Mm. because of the amount of um, trauma. So you're talking about um, heart conditions, fibromyalgia, chronic pain. So when a lot of people are saying, I have all these ailments and they think it's hereditary and then they found out it's not, you have to kind of look at what they're or what they have gone through and what they're currently going through and make sure that you're looking at it holistically and not just from the medical condition. You have to address what people have actually gone through. What you don't deal with will remain. So if you are a caregiver, one thing to when you're seeking support to ask about is definitely ACEs and ask your provider to screen for that because there are tests you can take. Absolutely. What else, Sharon, what else do you suggest to people out there? I mean, obviously seeking help through a therapist is critical, not only for treatment, but for prevention. Like you said, I am a huge Mm -hmm. proponent of mental health prevention, Mm -hmm. seeing a therapist just, you know, on a regular basis, like you would do a workout. I think that's something that we should put a focus on in our society. Mm -hmm. Seeking outside help like therapy. What other measures do you believe in and subscribe to? I do. At the beginning of every year, Lucia, I do a workshop or a live webinar called balance boldly. And I I give people 12 steps so that they can manage themselves. I'm just going to go through them very quickly, but people can always check me out at the beginning of the year. We just, we already had it. So I'm sorry guys. (laughs) So, but I, I said a few already about creating new habits, setting realistic expectations for yourself, but understanding what your needs are. 
don't walk in that mindset of that you no longer matter. <laughs> yeah, It's important that you remain relevant, even in your mind and in your heart. You have to take care of you. Uh, reduce stress. Don't create additional things that you know are going to be a burden. Mm. So be mindful. And while you're also managing these things, teach others how to treat you. Uh, meaning, don't just sit back and think, okay, I'm, I'm managing these things. I just have to kind of settle with what's happening around me. No, use your voice. Express what's happening and how it impacts you and what you can do. Communicate with clarity because that's a big thing. A lot of people are not using their voices. They're kind of, you know, just disappearing in the midst of their caregiver roles. And I think it's important that they find themselves, they find their voice and that they communicate with clarity. If you have someone that is a person you consider to be a, a fantastic friend, make them your accountability partner. Mm. Allow them to help you stick to whatever plans you have for yourself, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's taking a deep breath, or whether it's going to play golf or exercising, like you said, or going to see your therapist. <laughs> yeah. Let them hold you accountable. But for the most part, because I can't get through all 12, but I would say the most important thing is to introduce some type of self-care plan into your day-to-day -day life. You know, we throw that word around so much. And I was just talking to someone, here's another caregiver, estheticians, massage therapists. Mm -hmm. She has an office space next to me. And we were just chatting about how, you know, self-care is like the last thing people do in the self-care uh, profession, which I, yeah. um, I actually do, do self-care. I think that it's mm -hmm. not a luxury. It's a necessity. That's my Correct. motto for it. So self-care can be made so simple. And we're going to come back and talk about some tools that people can do for self-care. But any that you love that you're partial to? I just started doing virtual yoga. Oh. And it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is awesome. Yes. It's awesome. I just got into yoga maybe I would say about two months ago and I've been doing virtual sessions and I just started a, and I didn't start, but meaning like it's not my group, but I'm a part of a group where I'm participating in group yoga. So there are four other ladies who are participating and we have a full hour to just kind of stop and pause. And it makes me slow down. Mm. It makes me more mindful of, of, the moment. Yeah. Um, and so I actually sleep better. I'm one of those people that I have, I have hip pain and, you know, as you're getting older, stuff starts to ache. And I find that by doing yoga, I have less pain. Mm -hmm. I have more flexibility. I have more movement, but I also feel like I have more joy. <laughs> so finding what part. brings you, and this is the thing is yoga works for Sharon. Yoga, I actually can't do yoga for various reasons, but I love what you just said. It's finding the thing that reduces pain and brings you joy. And that could yes. mean so many different things to so many yes. different people, but you know, it could be painting or pottery or taking a long walk or hiking or going to coffee with friends. It can be dancing. It could be, da yes. I think people always think like massage or something expensive. It's doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that. It's just something that reduces your pain and brings you joy. That's self-care. Absolutely, yeah. I have a friend who actually, she visits different coffee shops and she finds so much joy in it um, that I went to Hawaii two years ago and I actually visited a coffee shop for her 
just so I could write a guest blog because oh. I knew she liked coffee so much. But those are things you have to find what works for you. I absolutely love that. Sharon, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. So anything else that you feel is critical and key to tell someone out there who is a caregiver in some capacity looking to reduce depression and anxiety that you'd like to pass on today to our listeners? Yes, just one last thing. Um, This whole process of taking care of you really is about having a mindset shift. It's very important that you learn to reframe and see the positive and what it is you're doing. Celebrate those small wins and, and, and be patient and extend grace to yourself when it has not been a great day. Um, so just do the work for you. Get what it is that you need so that you can one step away from that situation. And in taking care of you, you find that you're a better person. You're a better caregiver because there's more balance in place. So just remember to take care of you. It's like being on an airplane and they give that announcement that it's important that if there's a drop in oxygen in the cabin, that you are to put on your oxygen mask first before helping anyone else. This is the same thing. Take care of you so that you can be a better person to anyone else. I love that. I mean, I even think we're at the point where almost at critical mass where it's like, Mm. okay, we know you're going to put on their oxygen mask first, but you have to at least put on yours. (laughs) <laughs> because yes. right now there people yeah. aren't even putting on their own, right? They're like exactly. putting on the whole planes and then not even paying attention to theirs, but almost passing out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's where we are. I mean, the gold standard is get that oxygen mask on first and then go Mm. to someone else. But at the very least, put yours on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Sharon Lawrence, licensed clinical social worker, therapist for therapists, professionals and couples. Thank you so much for joining us today. I would love for you to give everyone all of your social media, your website again. So if they want to get in touch with you and follow you, because she has such powerful and impactful stuff on her Instagram, which is where I found her. Awesome. Thank you. So my website is mysalawellness.com and that's S-E-L-A-H. And you can find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest at mysalawellness.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn at Sharon J. Lawrence. Thank you so much, Sharon, for joining us on Well Seekers. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. And we'll be right back on Well Seekers. After a long day, taking time to love yourself and your friends and your family more well can be a challenge. We're so burnt out and exhausted and stressed from working so hard during the day, we forget to love the people and the places and the things that are important to us. Well, Lucia Knight is here to help. We're gonna be a retreat and a treat for your day. A place to laugh, to connect, and to learn to love yourself and others more well. We're gonna talk about relationships, ways to sleep better. We'll have expert guests, personal stories, maybe even a musical guest or two. We'll share behind the scenes into my own life as well, my friends, my family, and of course, my relationships. So. Close the door on your day and light up your night with Lucia at night. Also, make sure to check out more at wellseekers.com for simple and real life ways to bring wellness home. I'll see you tonight on Lucia at Night. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Wells Seekers. Thanks so much to Sharon again for joining us. Such a great conversation to help as we work to prevent burnout in caregivers and to treat burnout in caregivers. In my research, you know, on wellseekers.com, we have, I'm trying to think of the word, it, I totally, it's been a long week, everyone. <laughs> I need a little self-care, which I'm going to take after I record the show. Um, we have a self-care box. It's called the Wellseekers box and it comes to you four times a year and it has self-care items made especially for you. In those boxes, we have a spring one on the way and I just love all the tools in those boxes. And the boxes are purposely to help you take care of yourself. Um, So we'll have more on that in another episode. But if you're a caregiver, you are one of the people I thought of and think of every couple months when me and my team put these boxes together. So, um, and my team is one person. (laughs) When the two of us put these boxes together, I think of you. And I just want to be honest with that. It's not, there's not 20 of us in a room, but there's a couple of us and we work really hard (laughs) putting these boxes together. So I would say go to wellseekers.com and subscribe to a box as a gift to yourself. It's inexpensive on purpose and the tools are made literally for caregivers and self-care. Also, you can go to wellseekers.com and click on featured tools and there's a handful of very specific tools in there. But if I could leave you with just four pillars of self-care, one would be what the box is there for. So that's like self-care behavior. So behaviors to help you take care of yourself, whether it's exercise or stress reduction techniques, aromatherapy, different things like that. That is pillar one in helping you from a holistic perspective. The second is really, I'm a big believer in handling your emotions. One of my favorite things to say is don't make any permanent choices off of a temporary emotion, but sometimes emotions can stick with us if we don't talk it through. So talking for a caregiver is so, so important to have a friend, or if you feel like you're too much of a burden for a friend, have a therapist, but have some place. Like I said, you're such a container, you need a container to bring this to. So emotions and dealing with emotions and the feelings around caregiving. The next pillar is, I think, having someplace to go for resources. And resources are typically community resources um, that you can turn to. There's a website and they literally talk about what I'm talking about right now. This isn't a community resource. This is obviously an online resource, but it's powerful tools for caregivers.org. I'll put a link in there as well. But when I saw what they had as their things, it's literally almost identical to my four pillars for caregivers. So community outreach and resources. Community has grown. It doesn't just mean local. It means it can mean local, but it also means online. So search online. There's so many support groups for caregivers. If you can't go locally, there's so many resources for caregivers. We want to be a resource. So find your people, find your other caregivers, get connected with them and they'll help connect you with resources. And the last is just making sure you stay true to yourself and whatever that means. That could mean reminding yourself every day, okay, this is who I am. 
this is my life too. These are things in my life that I do want to do today and get accomplished, even though I'm caring for someone else. And taking the time to either mentally verbalize to yourself who you are, um, to remind yourself of that, or to physically carve out a space, even if it's 15 minutes to do something, not even self-care related, but your life related. I know sometimes it's hard to even get five minutes, but even if it's five minutes or two minutes before bed, some just small chunk of time to remind yourself of who you are and to um, increase your own self-worth and stay true to yourself, your self-worth and the life that you have as well. I'll try and do an article and put this all up online about that to summarize what I just said. In the meantime, make sure to check out all the links below. Thanks again so much to our guest. And we're just so excited to be back with you. And we have so many five powerful shows ahead and a Valentine's Day special on Lucia at Night. So make sure you check out Lucia at Night too. We talk a lot of research on this show and different things. Lucia at Night is about, it's totally love-based, relationship-based, and we just do it in a more of a laid-back style with two of my real-life friends um, who are very wise and very helpful. So make sure you check out Lucia at Night's Valentine's Day special coming next week. From all of us here at Wellseekers, the small handful of us. We're just so happy to be a part of your life. I'm happy to be a part of your life. And thanks so much for letting us walk alongside you on your journey to find the keys to living life well. We'll talk to you next week on Wellseekers. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.